It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. <laughs> Good afternoon, everybody. It's 4.06 in the Rocky Mountain West. This is the Around the House program for, what, 24th of October, Halloween, a week from uh, from today. And then a week from tonight, we lose daylight saving time. Oh, great, you know, but it just happens every year. we got to get used to it. And then the election, and uh, I know you probably know which way I want it to go, but at least it will be over in about 10 days uh, or so. We can thank the Lord for that. Anyway, hope you're doing okay. Had a, had a good week around that house of yours. We'd love to know what's happening. If you want to share your questions and concerns about your house, if you can give us a call here on Around the House at 303-713-8255, 713-TALK, or live email at aroundthehouse.com. We're so glad you're with us. And again, I hope you had a you had a good week. Cold weather on the way. Yeah, it'll come and go, I guess. Supposed to be overnight lows down in the teens and most along most of the front range. I haven't checked Wyoming, but I'll bet you're going to be down there too. Anyway, just can't stop it. Winter's on the way, and, and uh, it'll it'll be here. Actually, it's going to be here in about 36 hours, isn't it? Anyway, good to have you along with us. Here's a few interesting observations sent to me by a friend named Don and. Thank you, Don. I'll just do, I won't do all of these. It's quite a long list here. These are pretty interesting, pretty, pretty good, okay? I'll let you decide. David Letterman said America is the only country where a significant proportion of the population believes that professional wrestling is real, but the moon landing is fake. After the game, the king and the pawn go into the same box. That's an Italian proverb, kind of, kind of biblical, isn't it? Gene Kerr said the only reason they say women and children first is to test the strength of the light bolt, of the lifeboats. Zsa Zsa Gabor said, I've been married to a communist and a fascist, and neither would take out the garbage. I like that one. Jeff Foxworthy, you know who he is. If you, you know you're a redneck if your home has wheels and your car doesn't. Oops. Prince Philip. It's getting pretty, he's getting up close to 100 years old, isn't he? Prince Philip said when a man opens a car door for his wife, it's either a new car or a new wife. Emo Phillips, I don't know who that is, said a computer once beat me at chess, but it was no match at me with me uh, for uh, kickboxing. Yeah, I get it. Harrison Ford, wood burns faster when you have to cut it and chop it yourself. You bet. There's a lot of corollaries to that. Spike Milligan, the best cure for seasickness is to sit under a tree. Let's see, you got a couple. Arnold Schwarzenegger, having more money doesn't make you happier. I have $50 million, but I'm just as happy as when I had $48 million. W.H. Auden, famous poet, we are here on earth to do good unto others. What the others are here for, I have absolutely no idea. 
Johnny Carson, if life were fair, Elvis would still be alive and the impersonators would all be dead. Arthur Clark, I don't believe in astrology. I'm a Sagittarius and we're very skeptical. Steve Martin, Hollywood must be the only place on earth where you can be fired by a man wearing a Hawaiian shirt and a baseball cap on backwards. Jimmy Durante, home cooking, where many a man thinks his wife is. Ooh. Jonathan Winters, if God had intended us to fly, he would have made it easier to get to the airport. I guess that's all of them. I thought you might get a, a kick out of a few of those. 303-713-8255. In case you're, you're, you're still undecided about who to vote for in the presidential election, I can't believe there really are people out there apparently who haven't made their mind up about 7 or 8%, I guess. This may convince you. This according to the Washington Examiner. The Trump administration has just approved new rules to allow dishwasher manufacturers to design and, uh, and build and market dishwashers that will do a complete normal cycle in one hour, including drying. How about that? There's been a lot of complaints from people who, you know, on the, particularly on the, on the dirty soil or heavy soil cycles or the pots and pan cycles, the dishwashers just go on and on and on and on for a couple hours because uh, thanks to the environmental weirdos in the world, they just insisted upon low water use, low power use dishwashers. And so and the Mother Nature being who she is, it takes so much soap and so much water to wash stuff. And so these cycles were getting longer and longer. I've seen a lot of People really complain about that, how long it takes to wash in a modern energy, quote, energy-saving dishwasher. So the Trump administration, new rules coming out, I think maybe this week, allowing a one-hour normal cycle, regardless, not regardless, but you're probably using a little more water and perhaps a little more electricity, getting the thing done in an hour, including the drying. I think that's a great uh, idea. You know, I've always been a little bit skeptical of low water use appliances. We've talked endlessly here on the program about front-loading so-called European-style dishwashers, which they do okay, but I've gotten a lot of complaints about them. Uh, they d just don't get the clothes just quite as clean as the old upright center agitator ones have in the past, and they, uh, they, they're hard to keep clean. They tend to be kind of stinky unless you're very scrupulous about wiping them down and, and on and on, and the clothes kind of twist up and you can't do partial loads and you can't add cl uh, clothes late uh, or say in the middle of a, a cycle. That's lots of, uh, lots of complaints. And I would say in an unscientific uh, report here, this is just anecdotal, over the 27 years I've been doing this program, about half and half, about half the people that have front-loading washers like them and the other half don't. Even upright dishwashers now are being built without center agitators. If you look in the bottom, there's just this little kind of lump down there that swishes around and, and I guess moves the clothes back and forth. But, you know, I, trying to save energy at all costs sometimes just doesn't work out really well. We've had countless examples of this. Electricity to do a certain amount of work and so much water and soap to get things clean. So and takes so much water to flush your toilet, doesn't it? So saving energy, saving water at all costs without considering the trade-offs sometimes doesn't work out as well as people uh, think it should. So 
I just thought you'd like to know that. I think that a lot of people will be pleased about that, and I'm sure the manufacturers will make a big deal. Now, they're complaining a little bit because it'll require them to add another production line here and there, different manufacturers, and they were kind of all settled in to do the low-water use, low-energy use dishwashers. Uh, but, you know, consumers are going to want these because they just do what people expect a dishwasher to do and what dishwashers used to do. And so uh, there you are, one-hour cycle, washing and drying. How about that? I think you'll really find that very useful. 303-713-8255 is our telephone number, and we'll talk more about that, about dishwashers, dishwasher soap, and how to get things cleaned right after this, right here on Around the House. From your faucet to your furnace, Ken Moon has solutions around the house. It's 19 minutes after the hour. Let's talk to John in Cheyenne. John, you're on the air with Ken Moon around the house. How you doing? Hello. Hey, Ken. How are you? Hey, Ken. How are Good. you? Are you catching us? I, I'm fine. Thank you, John. Are you catching us out of uh, KCOL in Fort Collins? Actually, yes, normally, but I'm actually driving to Denver, so I got John K. How? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's up with you, brother? Well, I battened down the hatches yesterday and today, took the screens out and put the windows in the storm doors, pulled down the storm windows on the upstairs windows, and pretty much got ready for because we're supposed to be sub-zero possibly Monday morning. Yeah, any snow coming? Uh, they said anywhere from 6 to 12 inches. Oh no. boy! Well, living living west of Cheyenne has its has its travails, doesn't it? Uh, you know, I guess I've heard snow showers along the Front Range down here, but but very cold. So here we go, right? Yeah. The the best thing though, and I from where I live, I can see the fires from the the uh, north side of them, the the Camera uh -huh. Peak and the Troublesome Fire, and I hope we get two feet in the mountains because. They, that's the only way they're going to get those fires out. Absolutely. One, one of them, control. one of them, uh, not the Cameron, but the other one up there exploded this week, apparently. Yeah, and it's it's just it's just very tragic. But yeah, this may be a maybe the godsend we've been looking for if we get enough snow. Yeah. Well, John, Absolutely. you stay safe up there. You stay safe up there. You too. Hey, Ken, Thank I you, just buddy. To touch base. Have a good day. Oh. Thank you, John. Good to hear from you always. I appreciate it. John's a regular listener and caller to the program, as is Steve in the Springs. Hey, Steve, what's going on? Good afternoon, Commander Ken. I hope you're enjoying hey, this fabulous fall. It is wonderful. What is it, 70-something today? But it won't last long, I guess. What's going on, Steve? Well, the bottom's going to fall out. Anyway, I wanted to, you kind of hit me on something here. We had bought uh, a couple years ago, brand new Samsung washer dryer, front load Samsung. Right. After we were out of the house for a couple years on a lightning strike. And the reason we did was because the rental house we were in were really, really happy with the Samsung front load washer dryer. Dryer's fine. The Samsung front load washer, this thing vibrated like a maniac. And I mean, it would just slam into the dryer, slam into walls. So we had purchased the extended warranty, bought it Lowe's. And the warranty company comes out not once but twice and gives up. And they just said they replaced the top. I don't think that was the issue. The issue, I think, was the balance. They replaced the top. They said, here's your money back for the warranty. And uh, half 
the price of the machine. Well, I thought, you know, this is really ridiculous. And so I called Lowe's Command Central, Senior Vice President and General Counsel. Of course, you never get to talk to him back in North Carolina. Anyway, they always have a trained staff of administrative assistants. She calls up, investigated the issue, and said, well, you know what? We don't really have a solution. So how about we send you a $150 gift card? And I said, I'd rather have the machine working because we still have it, and we're probably going to have to get rid of it. But the thing, uh, there's actually been, in doing some research on it, the top has actually blown off and seriously injured people. Love to be the personal injury attorney on that deal. Wow. I just do not understand how you can have a pretty high-tech, really high-priced machine that just has these balance issues to where it's, jumping around and blowing the top off. I just wonder if you had course, feedback on that. Well, it, it, of course, it depends on, you know, uh, any washing machine, if you put something big in like a quilt or something, is going to have balance issues. But normal uh, upright uh, center agitator machines usually handle that fairly well if it's just a bunch of towels and things. But I understand uh, this is another reason why I'm not a big fan of these. I hear this, all the, especially if it's on the second floor of a house, it gets dancing around, and they do sell uh, rubberized shock absorbers for washing machines. You could, did you ever try one of those or that, a set of those, Steve? I have not, but it is on the main level, uh, off yeah. the kitchen entry through the garage, and I will never buy another front load again. It's just been such a major pain in the neck. I had one guy that uh, – go ahead. All right. I I have asked anybody using it to only fill it lightly, like no more than half full, to maybe avoid some of those balance issues, particularly if you're doing like towels that absorb a lot of moisture. It doesn't seem to affect it. That thing just vibrates like it's getting ready to explode, and sometimes they have. I got an email from a guy a month ago or so. We talked about this. Uh, You probably didn't hear or may not have heard it. But you know those those uh, elevated stands for washers and dryers with the drawers in the bottom, where you can so that you don't have to bend over so much, and you can buy those as an accessory for a washer dryer set. Well, he bought one of yeah, those. That- he put he put concrete blocks in the drawers instead of soap, <laughs> and that that additional ballast, he said, quieted everything down, and it, he was really happy. I've had other people f- say those shock absorber feet pads or whatever they're called for washing machines work really well. I had one fella call, and this has been several years now, that the guys that delivered the washer, Steve, had failed to unscrew and throw away the shipping screws that, uh, you know, that would have released the the mm. the, the shock absorber part of, of, of the, the vibration absorber parts of the, of the actual washer. So I don't know if that's something you can check or not. So... There are some ideas, but I have gotten a lot of complaint about those, so you go ahead. Yeah, we, we do have the elevator stand, and what are you suggesting, like bricks in that bottom? Yeah, he put he put a couple of concrete blocks in each side, and he like said that just to settle. Well, no, but all right, yeah, just as much ballast as you can in there, and he claims it worked like a charm, so you might think about doing that. And you say there's a set of rubber pads that will go on all four? Yeah, you can find those at Amazon. Amazon, yeah, they're they're rubber, and they're they're not true shock absorbers, but they have the same kind of effect. It's they're thick rubber feet for washing machines. You might check those out online. I've seen them, uh, at Amazon. Both so, ideas. I, I all right, both of those and get back to you. It's on a tile floor, so you'd think it wouldn't be an issue, but it sure is. No, good. try that. Try that out and let us know. We'd be interested to know. Thank you, Steve, for your call. I appreciate it.
This is, uh, email is from Rob. I have a crawl space and a big part of it sopping wet. I have no bench, just the access door. How can I dry it out? Well, I'm a little concerned. Uh, you know, we're getting into the time of year when things have dried out a little bit. We're not getting any summer rains, and the sprinklers are, are turned off. I wonder where this moisture is coming from. But for now, except when the really cold weather, the cold days come, you want to try to dry it out by opening the crawl space fence and putting a maybe one or two box fans in there blowing out just to suck some warm and drier house air through your through your crawl space. That's all you can do right now. Of course, when this real overnight low temperatures come, you want to turn that off and block up the vents. But you can try it on warm days uh, that, you know, get some cross ventilation going just to suck that moisture out. But I'm wondering at this time of year if perhaps you've got a, a, a pipe down there that's misbehaving, that's dribbling or under maybe it pipes under the crawl space dirt or your incoming water line i hope that's not it but i guess it could be that's leaking and causing your 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 wet crawl space so you need to get to the bottom of this of course as soon as you can and uh just and dry all that dirt out and and with ventilation that's the really the only way you just have to mechanically ventilate the crawl space just getting air moving through there blowing out when you blow the air out, you'll take new air in, drier air from the house. And you might have to do that for a week or two. In the meantime, check out. You can maybe have the city get involved to see if there's a leaky uh, pipe that you're not aware of under there or something's dribbling that, that would just be adding moisture. So you need to get, get this taken care of as soon as you can. When you dry it out, of course, put down some plastic. And uh, that'll prevent the house from smelling, smelling real musty, which it will with this wet crawl space dirt. So I hope you get that taken taken care of, Rob. Uh, but this is not Rob, it's Bob. I'm getting all kinds of conflicting advice about getting my ductwork cleaned. 30-year-old house. Well, duct cleaning is, is not all that necessary in most cases, and you can check it yourself. You can look at with a swivel mirror and a flashlight or stick your cell phone down in two or three of the ducts in your house. Do this kind of after dark when the light levels are low and just see... What you see in there, if you see gray metal pipe, in a newer home it'll be shiny, in an older home it'll be more oxidized, but if all you see is pipe, then you probably don't need to get your ducts clean. Now, a 30-year-old house, if somebody was living there years ago that maybe didn't use furnace filters or had a lot of pets or didn't have good housekeeping habits, you may see some dirt and crud and hair and and things clinging to the inside walls of the duct. In that case, duct cleaning is a pretty good uh, idea. Usually it's not necessary. It's kind of over-marketed, shall we say. So check it out yourself, and if you need it, uh, they can bring in a vacuum system that uh, there's a couple of different systems. One uses scouring brushes with a big uh, kind of a shop vac on one end to suck the dust out. Another one uses compressed air to blow the dust down, and again, it's collected by a vacuum cleaner. Just it, you know, Neither method is preferable over another, but uh, this is something that you need to uh, check yourself. If you don't see a lot of crud on the inside of your ducts, then forget about it, as they say back east, and usually most people don't need duct cleaning, unless it's a really old house, as I say, that hasn't been well-maintained. And if you do need it, uh, the, the referral that would be best for all anybody that's interested in duct cleaning would be from your regular HVAC furnace contractor because they would give you a, a referral from somebody they really trust. They don't want you to get uh, to get ripped off or anything. And, and uh, so 
um, they want you to be satisfied with their recommendation. So that's the way to go. Get a referral. That's always uh, that's always best. If you think about it, you sure don't want anybody in your house that will try to take advantage, right? 303-713-8255 is our telephone number here on Around the House. We're glad you're with us. We'd love to hear from you today, so give us a call or live email at aroundthehouse.com. Got a fix-it problem at your house? Ken Moon can help. Call 303-713-TALK. That's 303-713-8255. Ray Charles. Oh, what a, what a great guy. Just, just his music just makes you want to... Even me, who's not a very good at it, get up and boogie around a little bit. This, what did I say? Parts 1 and 2, as I remember. I guess from the 60s, I guess. But can you beat Georgia on my mind? I don't think so. 303-713-8255 is our telephone uh, number. We're glad you're with us here on the program. Podcast, you know, I've, more and more people are listening to podcasts, and uh, and I keep getting emails during the week about people. I got one this week from a guy that lived in Aurora and listened to my show for many years, and now is in, I think he said, South Carolina. Anyway, he, he listens... Uh, both uh, online, uh, live, which you can do, of course, to whichever of my affiliates you want to you want to uh, dial in their website. But also, he listens to the podcast and he enjoys it, and he's so happy they're there. And I keep getting a lot of feedback like that. So if you're if you're not a podcast person, check it out. You can podcast your way wherever you're. You're riding your bicycle, walking around the neighborhood, wherever you're going. You can get it in your car, uh, download it in a in many many different ways. Uh, an MP3 type version of a podcast, and just listen, listen on the internet uh, or on your iPhone, iPod, iPad. You get the idea. Very flexible way to listen to the program at the iHeart Media site, and Shannon will post the podcast of today's broadcast right uh, rel- relatively soon after the show goes off the air. And you can go to my website, AroundTheHouse.com, click on Listen to Podcasts, and you'll see the last. Oh, I don't know, about three years' worth of my show right there, hour by hour. So it's a great way to take the show with you if you want to hear another uh, a point reiterated, uh, have at it. But many people that um, you know can't sit down by the radio when we're on live, listen to the podcast. So it's becoming a big part of a kind of an adjunct to, not a replacement for, but to terrestrial radio. So... The podcast will be there, and it'll be right after, relatively soon after the show goes off the air. But in the meantime, we're live now, and we'd love to have you check in with us at 303-713-8255. And uh, live email here in the studio, aroundthehouse.com, second button from the left. You'll, uh, You'll see that and just click, it's called Contact Ken, I believe, and I'll see the email right here in the studio. Uh, this is from Dolores. The kids pulled on a towel bar and one side came loose. Can I fix this myself? Um, yeah, you can. Uh, if there, if the towel bar, if there was no wood stud behind the drywall available, the installer probably used some small plastic plugs uh, to screw into in the drywall. They're they're little, you know, little mollies or plugs or you know they they just are, they expand into the drywall and bite in. They're these aren't very strong. 
even if the kids don't yank on them, but surely if a kid hangs from them, they're just not strong. So, uh, but they're good enough for towels, right? So, um, uh, you can uh, turn the the uh, the bracket screws counterclockwise to remove them from the wall, and then you can ease them out of the walls. The plugs will stay put. Uh, so use a small nail punch to to pop them back into the wall. So then you'll be left with four small holes that will be just right for new anchors. So you can visit the hardware store or the home center and get their recommendation for whichever style of fastener they like. There are lots of choices of small mollies, expanding anchors, and, and all that that will work. Uh, so my favorite is the toggle, some say butterfly anchor. That's the one that has a some spring-loaded little wings that pops out when it gets behind the drywall. Now, if you don't want to go to all that trouble, one answer here is to simply, uh, you know, as I say, take the brackets off. And by the way, to get the bracket off of, uh, of the wall, you unscrew the screws and you're left with those four small holes. And simply move the towel bar up. Uh, a couple inches, not not. It doesn't have to be a lot, just enough to get outside those old holes, and you put some new holes in with some new plastic plugs, and then you. Uh, a couple. The reason for that uh, is basically this: that when you have those, the new towel bar in place, you'll see the four old holes just below the new brackets. Take some spackling on the end of your finger, some lightweight acrylic spackling. And simply rub it into those holes, and you might have to do it twice. Usually with acrylic spackling, it doesn't shrink. So just do it once, and, and it, they'll virtually disappear. Besides which, you got the towels hanging in front of them anyway. So you, you can make them uh, go away, and make a little paint touch-up afterwards, and you'll never know. You'll know they're there, but nobody else, nobody else will. So you don't need to really patch drywall or do anything magical. But that's the deal. Most towel bars, since they... The towel bar placement usually is, is the installers want to center them between the tile and the and the entry door or, or between you know, over the toilet or somewhere that makes sense on the drywall that probably doesn't include a wood stud. So you don't have the option of using a, a wood screw into a stud. So they almost always use some kind of kind of uh, plug or molly or toggle in the wall, which you've already proved with your kids hanging on them that is not the strongest thing in the world, but you can you can fix this yourself and just tell them don't hang on the towel bars anymore, or you'll make them fix them themselves ne next time. But lightweight acrylic spackling has been such a boon for folks uh, that like to do stuff around the house and patch little holes and things because the old the regular wet spackling. Uh, would shrink, kind of like drywall mud shrinks, and you'd have to go back the next day and maybe even a third day to fill in the depression left when it when it dried out and shrank. So the lightweight acrylic spackling, usually just one coat on the end of your finger or a small putty knife or whatever screwdriver, whatever tool you like, and it is just done. And you don't, for small holes like we're describing, you don't need to really mimic the texture on the wall, although you can for larger holes. You can take a slightly damp paper towel uh, and and use some uh, drywall mud over a bigger hole, and just you can mimic the texture by pulling the towel paper towel sharply away from the wall. It'll make little uh, little hills and valleys that you can then sand off to kind of match the texture. But with little holes for these for these little toggles for the towel bar, you really don't need to do anything except put the spackling in. So lightweight acrylic spackling is really the way to go if you uh, want to fix, you know, moving out of a house and the little tiny holes where you hung pictures. 
Lightweight spackling on under your finger is the way to go. We'll be right back. 303-713-8255. Need advice on your next home project? Back to Around the House with Ken Moon. It's quarter to five. It's uh, good of you to be with us today. We'd love to hear from you so you can check in via the telephone at 303-713-8255. 303-713-TALK is our contact line, and we'd be delighted if you would uh, do us the honor of checking in. Shannon Scott is at the controls today, and he'll take your call. So uh, get on the horn, and we'll we'll kick things around. By the way, before I go back to the... Uh, to a couple of these uh, this week's emails, uh, I wanted to talk about Brian at Eagle Crest. He's my Denver-based heating and air conditioning guy, and he has a new offer. He just emailed this to me to, uh, today, which is the best deal in town. Listen to this: 100,000 BTU furnace, brand new Ream, 80% two-stage gas valve, 3,600 bucks installed with a 10-year parts and labor warranty. That is the best deal in town, bar none. So uh, they're they're available. He said starting next week. So that's a great deal, 100,000 BTU furnace. If you need a new furnace, and if your furnace is 25 years or older, it's really time for a new one because it's not very efficient by now. It's lost a lot of its efficiency muscle, as, as, as you might put it. And so you need a new ream, 80%er, 100,000 BTU, 3,600 10-year warranty, uh, and uh, a crawl space or other, uh, or other odd you know, gas line or electrical issues or flu issues would be a little extra, but... That's for a standard installation, 3600 bucks. So call Brian at 303-451-5607. And I know if, you, if you'd always wanted central air in your house, he'd be make, willing to make you a wonderful deal on a package with this furnace and a new Ream AC unit in your house all at once because it's cheaper if you do it in one trip. And so uh, give him a holler, 303-451-5607, 451-5607. And if you... Uh, haven't got your furnace cleaned this fall. You know your family needs to be safe. Getting the furnace cleaned and checked and serviced only 69 bucks in the metro area. 303-451-5607. And if you want a $50 gift card for any of Brian's services, good for six months, just email me right here and I'll forward it to him. And that email, of course, is at aroundthehouse.com. So EcoCast Brian 303-451-5607 for that beautiful deal on a new ring furnace. Let's see here. Nora sent me an email. I'm in an old house. I have a pocket door that came off its track. Is it easy to fix? Yeah, those old pocket doors, they almost sometimes double pocket doors. It was very common back uh, at the turn of the 20th century to have like a double pocket door between the living room and the dining room, right? You'd have the table all set with the doors closed and the candles lit, and, and you just slide those two pocket doors back, uh, and there's the, uh, the dinner ready ready to go. And those are really, those are, this is what maybe referring to Norris. They're very heavy and they're difficult uh, to kind of handle because it's usually a two person job. Uh, but yeah, they are easy to access and fix yourself. Now, if you have old hardware, you may, may, may need to get a new hardware set. But basically, if you look at the slot where the door disappears into, You'll just see wood trim on each side, which blends in with all the other wood trim. You have to gently pry those trim pieces off, and that opens up the whole thickness of the wall, and, and, and the mechanism inside the door itself will be sitting there. Once those, that trim is removed, you'll have 
be able to reach inside the wall to manipulate the door, maybe hook it back on the on the track, whatever is going on with it. it will, you can ease it out of the wall and unhook it. It'll be obvious when you do that. The track is usually not the problem with pocket doors. More often, uh, the rollers are broken or the metal arms from holding the doors uh, onto the rollers are, are broken or bent or something. You can find generic replacements for them, usually at the hardware store. Uh, before you put it all back together, of course, a little silicone or Teflon spray lubricant uh, will be uh, all you need on that track. Just a little bit, not a lot. But, yeah, just take those wood trim pieces off. And this is, whether it's a newer home or an old turn of the 20th century set of pocket doors like I just mentioned, the trick is still the same. Take those trim pieces off. It'll expose the that big wide cavity, and you'll see the door in there and all the all the hardware. And so that's not as not as hard as you think. You have to be a little patient. The hard part is, of course, is to pop those trim boards off and not break them or or cause some you know damage that you might regret. Anyway, there you go on pocket doors. Shauna wants to know about tankless water heaters. What are the best ones? Well, uh, the, the one you hear most often about, of course, Shauna is uh, Renai R I N N A E. It's a it's a Scandinavian brand, I believe. Other brands are like Ream and. Bosch, State, Bradford White. Ream's a good brand. I like Ream products. You know, whatever they make is usually is is uh, provides a great service. I've got a Ream furnace and water heater at my house. Uh, make sure that if you choose a tankless water heater, and I'll tell you why I wouldn't in a in a minute or so here. Make sure you get at least seven gallons per minute throughput of hot water, so you can run two things at once. You know, in the morning you get up and the family's up and you want somebody wants to take a shower, somebody else is you know, uh, maybe a load of laundry goes in, or they're, or they're running hot water to, uh, uh, you know, wash their face and 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 clean up for the day. All, all those kinds of things. You, 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 you need two two things at once, especially in the morning. And seven gallons a minute will get that for you. There are water heaters, especially electric versions of tankless water heaters that are um, uh, don't give you that seven gallons a minute. They're four or five gallons, and you'll be very disappointed. The, Tankless water heaters are very touchy. Uh, they're expensive and touchy. The touchy part is they need to be descaled and kind of looked at and, and, and adjusted and cleaned, perhaps, by a plumber about once a year. And so they're a little finicky, much more so than tank-type water heaters. And they're expensive. They're very expensive, around three grand or, or more for an installation in an existing home. And you can buy three or four regular water heaters for that. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of tankless water heaters. The theory is fine. The theory is you're not heating a tank full of water 24-7. But that's theory only. You have to amortize it into the cost of the tankless water heater. And it, as I say, it could take you 15 years or more to amortize the extra expense. I would stick with a traditional tank-type water heater wrapped with insulation if you'd like to, if it's an electric water heater. But, yeah, I'm not a big fan of tankless water heaters. Because if you do the math, and we've done it many times on the program, you're saving uh, really small amounts of monthly money with the heat that might be leaking out of the tank of, of your regular water heater. Uh, and the heat that leaks out of your regular water heater stays inside the house anyway because it's inside the energy envelope. So the savings just aren't uh, enough to convince me that you should spend that kind of money. The reason they're so expensive is the unit itself, you know, is 
oh, a thousand to fifteen hundred bucks for the actual tankless unit. But then you got to add on a, a you got to need a bigger gas line. You need to probably re rejigger the uh, uh, the the flue pipe in your house, either go out sideways or put a bigger, fatter flue going up through the roof, and all that. It's just not it's not worth it for the expense that it entails. Now, there's a couple of exceptions to that. Uh, let's say you have a, a mountain cabin up in Summit County or somewhere where it's cold up there, and you don't want a tank full of water that can freeze up. And so a tankless water heater might be a good idea up there because uh, when you open the cabin doors, you simply turn the faucet on, and there's instant hot water. If you have a, a barn or some kind of a situation where you have a, a water you want out in a in a horse in a horse arena or something, uh, that you you probably want a tankless out there, perhaps because again you don't have a tank full of water that just sits there and is liable to freeze. Or the final situation would be a new home where you can amortize the extra cost of the tankless water heater into a 30-year mortgage. But other than those three examples I gave you, I don't think tankless water heaters are a very good deal. We'll talk about that if you would like. And anything else, 303-713-8255. Things break around the house. That's why there's Around the House with Ken Moon. Four minutes before five o'clock on the Around the House program. Hope you're having a good weekend, and uh, if there's anything going on untoward around your house, we'd like to hear about it. You can check in with us at 303-713-8255 or live email at aroundthehouse.com. Uh, Rob, let's see. Oh, we got uh, David in the Springs. Let's get him first. David, you're on the air with Ken Moon around the house. David, listening on KRDO. Hi, how you doing? I'm doing good. So, hey, uh, David. I just put in a high efficiency heater and uh, one of the tankless hot yeah. water heaters, the high efficiency tankless hot water heaters in my house. Y- yeah. I, and I did conversion at the same time because then I could eliminate uh, that great big stove pipe going up the going up behind my bathroom. Yeah, you did. Actually, you you, you sideways... Yeah, you you used sideways venting out through the side of the house, David? No, we went up through the, uh, we went up through the walls. Would it be in the PVC? Uh, oh, yes, yes. The three-inch PVC pipe going up, I got to eliminate that big eight-inch... Right, uh, the, the, the metal flue pipe. pipe. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I gained... I gave six inches of space inside my bathroom is going that way because I just remounted both my both my bathrooms upstairs. Oh, very good. Yeah, reason I asked PVC, you can also, and obviously at your house it wouldn't matter at this point, but you can go sideways, and some people like that because then you can get rid of that thing altogether, and right. um, well, it, it just depends it, on your configuration. Yeah. And as part of my part of my remodeling, I put in a, a six foot jacuzzi tub. Oh, good. Cool. Very good. The whole sixty. 60-some gallons of water in it, and the 50-gallon water heater I had just wouldn't fill up the tank and have it be hot water. Yes. Are, up, so that's just miserable. Are you happy with your tankless water heater? I am. Good. Uh, some people, uh, it's again about 50-50. Some people call here and say they're, you know, they're, they, they don't get as much hot water as quickly, but once it's start, once it comes, it's fine and that kind of thing. Well, I'm glad. Thanks for checking in with us, David. Yeah, getting some precious inches in a bathroom like that is really a good thing, and you're proving that because then you can remodel and put in the fixtures you've always wanted. David, thanks for your call. 
We'll be back with part two of Around the House at 5.06 after the news. So give us a call right here on Around the House. Good afternoon. Part two of Around the House, 506 in the Rocky Mountain West. We're glad you're with us here on the show. Anything going on around that hacienda of yours, give us a call at 303-713-8255. I don't know who sent this to me, but these are some uh, little, little kind of cute little ironic type expressions. These are... These are, uh, you know, kind of a little funny play on words and profound thoughts and Reader's Digest type head scratchers and all that. So we'll try a few of these and uh, and see if you like them. I have kleptomania, but when it gets bad, I take something for it. Yeah, that makes sense. Follow your dreams, except the one where you're naked in church. My short-term memory is not as sharp as it used to be, but, but my short-term memory is not as sharp as it used to be. In just two days from now, just two days, tomorrow will be yesterday. Think about that. A bartender is just a pharmacist with a limited inventory. I like that one. I may be schizophrenic, but at least I have each other. Sure. I am a nobody. Nobody's perfect. Therefore, I am perfect. Now, there's logic you can live with. Let's see. Kentucky, the state, 5 million people, 15 last names. Ooh, this one. I'm not your type. I'm not inflatable. Oops. And dyslexics have more nuff. You've got to think about that for uh, for a minute. Let's see, there's another one here on the next page that I thought was. As a senior citizen was driving down the freeway, his car phone rang, and answering, he heard his wife's voice urgently warning him, Herman, I just heard on the news that there's a car going the wrong way on Interstate 280. Please be careful. It's not just one car, said her husband. It's hundreds of them. You saw that coming, right? Don't sweat the petty things and don't pet the sweaty things. Hmm. Let's see, a couple more of these. I want to die while asleep like my grandfather, not screaming in terror like the passengers in his car. That's a little irony for you. 303-713-8255 is our contact line. In case you, we started the first hour with this, but uh, I, you may be a uh, new, uh, you know, audience just changes uh, every 45 minutes or so. And so there's a new uh, rules being promulgated I guess in the Federal Register by the Trump administration, this may cause you to figure out who to vote for because Trump administration is authorizing uh, manufacturers to create a one-hour dishwasher, a dishwasher that does the complete washing, rinsing, and drying cycle in an hour. Regardless, you know, it probably has to use a little more water, a little more energy, but people have been gotten sick of new dishwashers taking forever to do a cycle, to do their cycles of, especially for the, for the super clean cycles and the uh, extra dirt cycles and so on, and so uh, heavy dirt cycles. So uh, there you go. It's on the way, and I'm sure manufacturer, whoever comes out with it first, will make a big deal advertising a one-hour complete cycle dishwasher. Thought you'd like to know that. Let's talk to uh, Lane in Loveland, Colorado. Lane, you're on the air. How are you doing? Good. How about you? All right. What's going on with you? I need a answer a question relative to a deck. A, uh, I have a redwood deck 
now, uh-huh. and I want to put a like a trek deck over top of it. You say that, and you want to put a what now? I, I missed like, that. Like a, uh, like a trek deck. Yeah. Uh huh. Over top of it, and the reason is is because currently the uh, center on center is 24 inches. And the mm-hmm. recommendation now is to go to 16 inches. <clears throat> so rather than tearing it all out, is it possible to put a deck over top of the other one? Well, it's not recommended, but but let me. Uh, I have a couple of comments that might make it more more uh, feasible for you. Uh, uh-huh. The de- you have a, tw- have a redwood deck now, 24 inches on center, and right. is it spongy or is it you know is it if you have some issues with it, does it feel kind of kind of uh, weak and so on? It's pretty solid, but it was it was redwood, and it's approximately uh, ten or fifteen years old. Okay. There is no rot underneath. I've checked that out. Yes. And but the top, of course, is just because of wear and tear. It is starting to deteriorate. Hmm. Well, are you sure you couldn't just you sure you couldn't just power wash it and restain it, or do you want a, the look of a nice new Trex deck would be uh, uh, something you'd want anyway? That's what I'd like to go with. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, so Trex, uh, and I think you're right. The Trex decking is not authorized at at 24 inches on center. I guess you could do that. I'm a little concerned about creating a moisture uh, level, you know, kind of a moisture uh, area. Uh, full of wa- water that would be between the two layers of the decks. They would just sit there and never, essentially, never dry out once it got wet, and that would accelerate rotting of the underlying deck boards. And you know, you'd be right back where you started from someday. So I think I would probably, uh, if, if you were to put down a layer of like ice and water shield, you know what that is? Yes. Mm-hmm. That sticky, sticky tar paper. I think right. then you'd be okay. Yeah. So okay. you would you would isolate one deck layer from another. I wouldn't just slap it on top of the old deck without doing something like that. Yeah, okay. it is undercover. It is undercover. It has. Oh, if it's un roof. it's undercover, it's not as risky then. If if there's a roof right. over it, yeah, right. it's it's not quite as risky. Although there is still some some jeopardy from a water layer. So I'll leave that kind of up to you. If it if it hardly ever gets wet. But you know, there's always blown-in snow that melts and that kind of thing. Oh sure. Uh-huh. So for the for the I guess so. What I'm coming circling back around to is that for the cost of some lousy ice and water shield, uh, why not go ahead and do it? So uh, sure. yeah, that would be all right. Yeah, then you'd have a pretty strong, strong deck situation there. You'd have two layers, inch and a half. Well, the Trex is not. What is, the Trex is? Is it or a five eighths of an inch? How, how how thick is Trex decking? I don't remember. It's I not a. It is. It's yeah, and then you can—it's grooved, so you can hide yeah. the uh, the. Uh, there's no screws or whatever to. Uh, it's a clip system, is it not? Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I yeah, Trex boards—they're not. No, they're not um, three quarter. I, I, they're around. Oh, I'm trying to think now. A regular redwood board is inch and a half. You know, t- two by six redwood. Is about an inch and three eighths thick. I mean, nothing is two two by four anymore, as your two by six. About an inch and three eighths to an inch and a half thick. And I think the Trex boards are more like an inch, aren't they, or seven eighths, or something like that? 
I believe so. I think yes. so. Yeah. So they're thinner, and so yeah, they would need 16 or 12 inch on center joist. But yeah, I think you could do that. Uh, okay. I, I, you know, because but you just have to, I would just isolate them as long as you're going to all the trouble. Why not, right? I agree. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Lane. You got it. Thanks for your call. That's a that's a good question. You know, it reminds me of our recommendation here. If you're going to build a new deck, or if you're replacing the deck boards on an existing deck, maybe you want to just put pull the old redwood off and put some treks down or whatever composite decking you want to use. Trex has become, you know, I bet they're glad of it, kind of like Kleenex. It's sort of like a generic name for composite decking, although there are many, many other brands. Uh, if, you're, if you're going to do that, you want to put some ice and water shield on top of each joist before you put the new deck down because that'll prevent water from getting on those joists and rotting them. That's where all the wear and tear. A deck usually falls apart from underneath because that perpetual wet spot between the decking and the, the joist boards that hold it up uh, if it gets wet and stays wet, you just get natural rotting of the wood. So that ice and water shield, you, cu you cut it about twice as wide as the joist and just drape it down on each side. So it, it's like a little shed, uh, a, sh a water shedder. You know, the water gets on there and just dribbles off the sides that you that you slope down. So when you're going to build a new deck, make sure you use some kind of a waterproof. It doesn't have to be ice and water shield. It can be, uh, it could be a, a galvanized metal or uh, the some of the uh, companies like Simpson, which makes a lot of a lot of uh, hardware for for framing and trimming, they make a kind of a plastic clip that snaps onto the top of a joist. Anything that will isolate the deck boards from the joist will deteriorate and slow down that rotting because that's where a deck really breaks down in a hurry. 303-713-8255 is our contact line. We'll be right back right here on Around the House. Fix-It videos can be so confusing. Let Ken Moon help you fix things around the house. Hey, it's 20 minutes after 5 o'clock. Uh, this is an email from, who is this from? Raymond. I live in the Pine Creek neighborhood in Colorado Springs. My air filter about two, three months ago started getting very dirty, almost a greasy-looking black. Kind of sounds, uh, sounds familiar. Uh, HVA system is only eight years old and was checked by a technician. He guessed it was the recent smoke, but none of my neighbors have the same problem. Uh, I, I keep the circulation fan on uh, 24-7, 365, whether I need uh, humidity or air conditioning and so on. So, yeah, I, it's probably the smoke. Your neighbors, just because your neighbors don't have it, Raymond, doesn't mean that it doesn't necessarily mean anything. They may have a different combustion air input uh, intake from the outside air, but I'll bet that's what it is. I hear more and more of these complaints about, dark furnace filters when that's never happened before. And of course, we haven't had these terrible fires before as we have now. So I think that's probably uh, what's going on. This, uh, so yeah, just change your filter twice as often as you have been. Uh, and uh, if the smoke, you know, if it comes in uh, to a given town uh, for a day or two, check it after the, it's gone. And, you know, it kind of comes in cycles anyway because of the wind, the jet stream, and the wind velocity and direction, and so on. Here's an email from Lee. I want to paint a popcorn ceiling. Any suggestions on a type of paint or anything else? Um, uh, and um, so, uh, uh, you know, what do, what do we use? He wants to, you know, thank, thankfully he doesn't want to remove it because 
that's a, I'm really against removing popcorn ceilings for the reasons I've talked to you about before. But yeah, I think I would use a semi-gloss latex paint for this because you want as much pos as possible to repel smoke, particles, cobwebs, dust motes, and so on. And the slicker the paint surface, the less clinginess you get up to a point, smoke particles also. And so um, uh, I would use some semi-gloss latex cut maybe 25% with water. Just thin it down a little bit. And But spraying it on is the biggest deal of all. You have to spray it. You can't. There are uh, deep mat rollers that, um, that people uh, say, uh, the manufacturers say work just great for, for uh, popcorn ceilings. But I've had reports back that uh, they're fine for the first two or three rolls. And then they start picking up chunks of the of the popcorn ceiling and it ends up in my hair and on the rug and everything else. So I would spray paint a popcorn ceiling, a little semi-gloss latex cut with, as I say, about 25% uh, with water. Well, have you voted yet? I'm not sure about Wyoming, but of course we do mail-in voting in Colorado. I, uh, I did that uh, several days ago. But the, aren't they, the referenda, the, the ballot issues and proposals are just endless, aren't they? And... Yeah. Just it's just it's remember when ballots simply had the name of a few people on them and you checked the boxes or or colored them in with a black pen and and that was the end of it handed to, to this uh, lady that was there as a poll watcher. Now these ballot proposal and and my rule of thumb goes like this: any ballot proposal that starts off with the phrase "without raising taxes," blah blah blah, and I just say uh, no thank you because when they start off that way, hang on to your wallet, right? Uh, even though taxes won't be raised, what do you think of the following 17 paragraphs? Well, no thank you, because that's a kind of a dead giveaway, isn't it? 303-713-8255. They expect maybe 150 million votes uh, to be uh, to cast be cast this election cycle, which is 20, 25 million more than last time, which is pretty amazing, and that's good. Good for democracy. The more, the merrier, I guess, up to a point. As long as you're a citizen and allowed to vote, but that's another another issue. Getting through COVID, okay, are you? My grandson had it. He's in college down in Arizona, and as most college kids, he just got uh, a scratchy throat for a day or two and a, a little sniffles, but and then he got tested, of course, and and he's okay. And most young people are. Uh, the you can you can feel it coming. You know, the government's telling us, geez, don't have Thanksgiving with more than so many people and don't have all your friends come over for the holidays. And, you know, here we go again. They're, they're kind of preparing us for some more COVID. Uh, and I see cases are climbing and the powers that be are really uptight about that. But, uh, you know, the, the more you dig into this, cases don't mean as much as the death rate. And the death rate is going down. So that's the only number that matters. Cases can be thousands of as like my grandson, college kids with no symptoms, but the lockdown has done so much damage. And there's now a lot of studies and a lot of editorials now are kind of acknowledging the fact that the lockdowns hate poor, uh, hurt poor people more than, than the middle class or upper class folks. And they hurt particularly poor folks in, in, in third world countries. They're hurting Kids, uh, you know, they can't go to school with single moms at home who need to get back to work. There's just a lot of damage that the lockdowns are doing. And there's something in the Wall Street Journal this morning about the Great Barrington Project. Now, that's a name 
that's very familiar to me because there's a great Barrington, Massachusetts, back where I came from. But it's an Indian doctor and a Swedish doctor, who, uh, MD, who, epidemiologists, who've gotten together and written this, uh, written this kind of treatise on why lockdowns are bad and we should never have gone as far as we have with lockdowns and we need to get more realistic about COVID because it's not going away. If you can just Google that, what's the, the point I was trying to make is that Google restricted it for a long time and they they didn't want you to read about that and because it wasn't the orthodox PC version of looking at COVID. But now Google's put that to the top of the, the first page of the search engine I looked this morning. So Great Barrington Project, if you want a, a more of a realistic view about COVID and how we've been handling it and so on, that would be something you might want to check out. Or if you get to the Wall Street Journal online, you can check it out. Big, long editorial this morning about that. But there's more and more acknowledgement now that the lockdowns have not been, uh, the, the cure has been worse than the disease in many cases, and we need to learn to live with this thing. So hopefully that's true in in your life. I just think we st- need to stop being afraid, but I've been saying that for a long, long time. But I wish you well. We don't want the old folks to get COVID or people with comorbidities, but everybody else, like my grandson and probably kids in your life and young people in your life, seem to do okay with it, which is a really is a blessing. It could be the other way around, which would be terrible. But anyway, just some thoughts on COVID. I hope you're getting through it okay. And I'm not going to let it affect my holidays, and I hope you, you aren't either, because Thanksgiving and Christmas are such a precious part of the heritage and culture of this country, right? We need to enjoy them. And they're on the way, and you know, it ain't going to be long. It's just they creep up on you, and then all of a sudden they're here. So there you go, 303-713-8255. I've got some uh, good feedback from last week. We talked about, uh, from the week before, I got an email, Ken, is LED lighting good for you, or can it be harmful? And uh, and I had made some comments last week. About that, that it's it turns out that the daylight versions of LED lights, which are the 5,000 uh, degree Kelvin degree color, which are very bluish, bright daylight LED colors, are apparently are not very good for for kids, especially with for their eyes or their brains, as a matter of fact. And so, if you have LED lighting in your house and little kids, don't let them sit in bright white daylight LED light for long periods of time, or get more of the warm white colors, which are down in the 2,700 to 3,000 uh, degree, Kelvin degree uh, light spectrum, which is more pleasing to the eye. It's a little yellower, but it's much more pleasing. And so I've got some interesting thoughts here from a listener named Ryan, who apparently is, uh, I'm not sure if he gave me his credentials, but I can tell by the way he wrote this, he's kind of an engineering type guy. So uh, when we come back, 5.30 break, I'm going to share some of this. Uh, with you about LED versus CFL lighting and whether it's good for you or not. It turns out that LED lighting is okay, but for little kids, that bright, bluish, white, really intense daylight LED color may not be good for long periods of time. So I wanted to share that with you as a little preview. We'll do that after we get back from the from the break. In the meantime, Brian, my uh, Eagle Crest guy, my heating and air conditioning contractor buddy, has a new offer he wanted me to share with you. If you're in line for a new furnace, if yours is 25 years or older, I think you need to get a new Ream furnace. He has a deal of, of a lifetime, or at least the deal of the year here. 3600 bucks for a brand new Ream furnace, 100,000 BTU, 80% two-stage furnace, 10-year parts and labor warranty. Uh, availability starting next week. 
for 3600 bucks. Of course, that's an average installation. If you have a crawl space or weird electrical or gas line or flu issues, it'll be a little more. But that's the best price in town. So if you thought a new furnace was something you couldn't afford, think again. Call Brian at Eagle Crest at 303-451-5607. He'll get you this great deal. And if you think you might like to have central air after the summer we just went through, he'll do a package deal for even greater savings, and he'll just combine the two in one trip and get you the a package that you'll be so thrilled about. And he can get you 18 months, same as cash, with approved credit. So 3600 bucks, brand new 100,000 BTU, two-stage gas furnace, the ream, that's what he, what he put in my house with a 10-year warranty, just the best deal in town at 30. $600. So give him a call, 303-451-5607. Need to get your furnace checked. If you haven't done it this fall, time to do it right now. $69 in the metro area. Brian, Eagle Crest, 303-451-5607. We'll be right back. From your faucet to your furnace, Ken Moon has solutions around the house. 26 minutes before 6 o'clock, 26 before 6. Ryan sent me an email. I don't know, Ryan, you didn't tell me. I don't think you told me your background, but you sound like you're a very thoughtful guy uh, that um, uh, is, knows about electronics and lighting and uh, and so on. Here's some thoughts about LED lighting from uh, listener Brian. I want to take a moment after your October 17th comments about LED lighting. Uh, here we go. I do a lot of lighting, retrofitting, and troubleshooting on the side. I do like it, LED lighting, but a few pet peeves. Uh, here they are. The daylight colors, 5,000 Kelvin and above. Since the release of CFL and then eventually LEDs, these colors are popping up more and more. Uh, instead of the beautiful, warm, inviting houses we used to see, uh, these views are ruined by annoying blue-color patio driveway lights. The, I, he just doesn't like the way they look, and neither do I. I like soft, warm white colors that are a little more yellowy, but they're much more comfortable and inviting, in my opinion. Uh, Ryan says, the daylight colors do mess with your body's melatonin production, and as we know, melatonin keeps the body uh, in, in rhythm for a good night's sleep. So, I, you know, that's interesting. Um, th uh, this may be the health risk your listener was talking about. Those houses I just spoke about all lit up with those daylight colored bulbs, uh, that could be, uh, that could be contributing to this soft, warm, white colors in the two to 3000 degree range are what you want in the house. Um, uh, for, uh, and I suggest the same for outside the house, 4,000 Kelvin, which is the cool white bluish daylight. If you recall for, uh, 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 fluorescent bulbs, that's a very typical fluorescent color, maybe for the garage and unfinished uh, basements and workbenches and those kinds of things. Uh, and uh, my last pet peeve is interference. LEDs and CFLs have electronic circuits. They naturally emit radio interference. This messes with AM radio. I've noticed that also. Uh, FM uh, radio signals aren't affected as much, but uh, I guess Ryan's a ham radio operator. He's very aware of AM radio interference. LED lights are are a little tricky and a little mysterious. They're like gremlin-like. And what I mean by that is if you put uh, LED, just an, any old LED bulb in your garage door opener, for instance, the opener might not work. Might not either. It would work but not work properly. Uh, so you, there are special over over uh, or, or garage door opener 
LED friendly lights you need to look for. I just have a regular incandescent bulb in my uh, in my uh, garage door opener. And I noticed we were talking last week. If you noticed uh, the garage LED light systems, and I and I got one. Actually, I bought two online because uh, my garage was looking a little a little you know dingy, dim, kind of not inviting. So these LED light systems, they look like a they, they look like three paddles in a in a centered uh, three wings rather and a light fixture. You just screw the fixture right into an existing light bulb socket, and each of the paddles has about 50 LED light bulbs in it, and they come in the bright blue white uh, daylight colors, which I don't like. Neither does my friend Ryan here, but I got the warm white versions, uh, 6,000 lumens. With only 60 watts of electricity, uh, a regular 60-watt bulb is only 800 lumens, so about eight or so times more light for the same amount of electric wattage. And my garage is all of a sudden so inviting and bright, it's just unbelievable. However, this is the part, of the gremlin-like thing I wanted to talk to you about, and I still need to get to the bottom of this. I put another LED bulb. I've got two lights in my garage, one on each side of the two-car garage. I put the LED wing fixture in, the one I'm just talking about that uh, that was really bright. I put another LED bulb in the other side, and it flickers. So the these LED fixtures in the same circuit I'm finding tend to fight each other or interfere with each other, and I've got to get to the, to the bottom of that. Maybe you've got some ideas you could share with me, but uh, you have to be a little careful. LED lights do have electronic circuitry in them, as do CFLs. And since electronic circuits emit energy, they can mess around with things that you don't want to, to mess around with. So, uh, But uh, if, if you uh, have a chance online, look for these uh, light fixture, garage LED light fixtures, type in, in the Amazon search box, and you'll see several versions of them pop up. And they look like little tiny ceiling fans with three paddles, but it's a light fixture, about a total of 150 LED bulbs. And man, it just brightens things up. It makes the garage so much more inviting and easier to see things on the workbench. Finally, Ryan says, Ryan Littleton says that if you're going to use a dimmer on LED lighting, make sure that there's a, a, a dimmer switch that's LED rated and that the LED light fixture is dimmable. Uh, it, it, if, if not, then you have all kinds of trouble. It, they will not work. Uh, not all LED fixtures are dimmable, okay? And not all dimmer switches are LED ready or LED compliant. So they got to match up, uh, and, and it's easy to find them, but you, you've got to have like for like. It's just like trying to dim a fluorescent light bulb or a CFL. It doesn't work if you don't have the if you don't have the right uh, dimmer. So that's Ryan. Thank you for those thoughts. So the bottom line is that the bright white, the blue white daylight LED lighting it may be bright, but it's very harsh. I find it aesthetically very harsh, and apparently there's some issues with interfering with. Um, with the eye, uh, the uh, uh, brains perhaps, and and vision of, of little kids, plus some melatonin sleep implications, according to Ryan. So uh, why not get the warm white, and have a little more inviting uh, atmosphere around your house than the bright harsh daylight. Quick email here, my flag. This is John. I'm my flagstone walkway is gradually turning black. How can I clean it? Uh, these these can be organic stains like drops, you know, sap dripping from trees or inorganic stains like water settling and uh, and, and staining the stone. 
maybe some fertilizer got on there. Try power washing first. Power washer can get most of that stuff off. Uh, you can wash it first with a, uh, get some detergent on there, a stiff bristled brush, and then power wash. If that doesn't help, uh, you may have uh, severe sap staining that can be removed with uh, with organic stain removers, like even mineral spirits. You could try that. That will, really will work well. But I bet the, I bet the power washing and the soapy water with a scrub brush will work just fine. Uh, mason, brick masons and stone masons use muriatic acid, which is hydrochloric. It's very, very harsh. You can get it, and you could use it if you want to, but you you have to be very careful. Wear eye protection and rubber gloves and all that, and you don't want to breathe the fumes, so I'd stay away from that. Just use some mineral spirits if you have to, but power washing really is the way to go. Power washer, if you don't have one in your workshop arsenal, I recommend you get one. You don't have to spend a lot of money for one, but just to have that available, if it's to you know blow off the driveway or the, or the garage floor, wash the pickup truck, power washer is a great thing to have in your arsenal. 303-713-8255 is our telephone number, and we're glad you're with us, and we'd love to hear from you right here on Around the House. From your faucet to your furnace, Ken Moon has solutions around the house. It's 14 minutes before 6 o'clock. Let's talk to Phil in northeastern Colorado. Phil, you're on the air. What's going on with you? There's Hello, Phil. somebody within your reach. You remember the whole deal with Tesla? There's alternating current and direct current. That was a uh -huh. big deal. So, therefore, LEDs normally work off of, I don't know this. That's where somebody within your voice can maybe inform me. So, like in your car, it's a direct current, DC. LEDs normally work off of a direct current. So, therefore, there must be a converter in those bulbs in your house that goes from 110 or goes from AC to DC. I don't know. Well, yeah, I think I think the LED bulbs, uh, Phil, as I remember, and I somebody's going to correct me on this, work on 5 volts. <laughs> So, yeah, there has to be a, some kind of a step-down circuitry, rectifier, and a, and a transformer circuitry. Yeah, so they give off a lot, of, a lot of signals, I guess, that you have to learn to deal with. So that's what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Are you still? Is, okay. I, I didn't know. I figured somebody out there knew, but you knew. <laughs> yeah. All right, Phil. Well, thanks for your call. Let's talk to Carl in Denver. Hi. You're on the air. Um, give me a minute here. Getting off the speakerphone. Um, okay, I, I suffer from uh, single guy syndrome, <laughs> and I okay. have a, I have a strip. I have a strip of uh, uh, bare floor next to the stove that came, comes through the uh, the linoleum, and it's gotten pretty nasty. And what I want to do is I want to put another. You know, I want to replace that strip of, of linoleum, but I want to make. I want to clean the floor, that subfloor before I put that linoleum down. And what's the best way to do that? Because it's, you know, greasy, nasty, um, that kind of a thing. I would just use mineral spirits, which you and I, when we were kids, would call paint thinner. Uh, and, you know, with a rag, uh, that'll take off all of that uh, pollution and grease and so on. Yeah. And if there's a, some residual mastic or glue on there, it'll all be gone with mineral spirits. Yeah. It's, I happen, it's, to have a, a, yeah. happen to have a pint of that. <laughs> I think that would be the answer. Is that, and then you're going to glue down some vinyl? You said. 
Um, yeah, you know this this floor is kind of trash to begin with, but uh, yeah, I want to put I want to replace the the square of, of uh, linoleum that was in that place. Yeah, well, I think mineral spirits really are are pretty handy around the house, cleaning up you know old caulking and mastic on on floors that be glue and so on that dribbles over the sides of uh, maybe uh, where you put tile on a bathtub uh, and uh, you want to get the glue off the floor that kind of thing. Uh, it really works very, very well. And most mineral spirits now are low odor. You probably know that, that you don't have a lot of uh, odor to deal with, although you don't want to breathe it too long. And just be careful because it's pretty flammable. But I think that would, that'll get it done for you in no time. You're going to go through a lot of rags when you do this, Phil, but I think it'll, it'll do the trick, okay? Wait, I have one more flooring question. Yeah, um, yeah. In one, spot, in one spot, I have kind of a divot. Where in the, in the subflooring where the where the top of the uh, like the plywood came up, um, is there is there a good way to to fill that or what would I use to f- to fill that with? Let me picture that again. Is is it a gap you're saying, Carl? No, no, no. It, it's like a divot, and that's kind of where the floor started coming up to begin with. Was where okay. Oh, okay. Is. You're you're going to cover this, right? Yes. Okay. You can fill the divot in with just simple floor patch. It's uh, it's a powder you mix up in uh, with water and put on with a putty knife and you, it's sandable once it dries or if it's sm- a small divot just ordinary plastic wood which again will dry and you can sand it but if it's a reasonable size divot look for floor patch in the in the hardware store paint paint section and mix it up and uh, you're all set and then you know that's what the professionals use fill that in and shape it and sand it and then put over anything on the top you want yeah you bet. Okay. Yep. It's about an inch in diameter. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah, some floor patch, uh, or, or, pla- or if you've got plastic wood, maybe in your workshop or something, either of those will work, uh, will work fine. Yeah. Okay. All right. I've been meaning, been meaning to call you on this for several months. <laughs> well, you know, you're now you're off now. There's no excuse not to get the, not to get the project started. Right. So you, you, yeah, unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thanks for your help. Carl, thanks for your for your call. Appreciate you checking in with us. 303-713-8255. This is Michelle. How do I get rid of cat urine smell? You can use a black light to search for 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 cat pee. Uh, in a dark room, it'll glow light because uh, glow yellow rather with a black light because of the phosphorus content of the of the urine and. Um, uh, if it's one or two spots, saturate them with an enzyme product like Nature's Miracle, or I like another one called um, Urine Off, which you can get online, uh, and uh, just saturate the, the area. It could take a week or two for the odor to disappear. For more extensive, if you got if you got cat pee all over the basement, probably hire a carpet company who specializes in this issue. Because uh, they really need to peel the carpet back and work on the back of the carpet, uh, and uh, you want to throw away the pad and put kills on the floor. But just a spot here and a spot there, I think the urine off or the Nature's Miracle works pretty good. Woolite and uh, makes an OxyClean also make uh, pet neutralizing sprays that work pretty well. So you can you know you can try uh, you can try those products also, but. For onesie twosie spots, that works about as well as uh, as anything for dog urine, uh, also. So, I hope that was helpful to you. Let's see. This is from Herb in my basement bathroom. There's a gray stain on the linoleum around the toilet, but the floor isn't wet. 
What do you think is going on? Well, I think there either was or is a slow leak from under the toilet that's gradually seeping under the between the layers of the linoleum. Um, usually the wax ring under the toilet is defective, that kind of thing. Uh, because what happens is there's a clear layer of linoleum or vinyl, and there's a uh, a pattern, the, the the actual pattern itself, and water gets in between that, and then you get that gray stain. So you might need to take the toilet off, check for leaks around that wax seal, uh, and then put it back. Uh, you can't really reverse this, but you can keep it from getting worse by finding the leak, which is probably from under that toilet uh, as a def defective or old or dried out wax ring. So pull the toilet, replace the wax ring, and you're back in business. We'll be right back. Five minutes before six o'clock. I just checked, uh, and uh, in answer to your question, Phil, in northeastern Colorado, LEDs can operate. I thought it was DC, but apparently LEDs can operate on AC or DC, and the voltage is really low, like uh, maybe around uh, one and a half to five volts. Depends on the application, but that's kind of the kind of the story. In the meantime, let's talk to Lee and Brighton. Lee, you're on the air. What can I do for you? Yeah, um, we had some cabinets installed uh, here recently, and we want to match the uh, quartz countertops that we have in the rest of the kitchen. These cabinets are on a straight wall. They're like, uh, there's a 12 and a half inch by 90 inch. So they're like the uppers that are on the bottoms too. So we went to try to match the uh, quartz, and we found a place that would um, sell us a half a slab because we couldn't find any remnants. But they want to charge like $200 to measure a, just a straight, you know, 92 by 14 inch thing and like $500 to install it. And I'm just wondering, am I a full paying that for someone to install that? How hard is it to put that straight piece on top of that uh, cabinet? Well, that's a great question. I, you know, the the reason they want to charge, and I think two hundred dollars is a little excessive, but they want to charge for measuring. Lee is they probably want to see if they have to scribe it, and that is, does the wall kind of, even if it's microscopically, does it go in and out, or is it a really straight wall, for instance? Um, if it's a straight wall, uh, and you know, you can, but the problem is you got to, got to you. Cut it to the exact dimension. Are you capable of doing that out of that slab? Do you know how to do that? No, no, no. I'm going to have them cut it, but I would just take it and install it, and not have them come out and measure. I would just. Oh, I see. Okay. A, you know. Oh, all right. Two hundred dollars from them, uh, or yeah. two fifty from them, come in measuring it, and then they want it because the slab is like five hundred dollars for a half slab, but to install and measure came up to seven hundred dollars. I'm thinking, wow, this is just really expensive. So how much, okay, if we get, if we, if you did the measuring, what would the total cost be? What would they charge for material and labor? Well, the, I'm buying the, the slab from another place. They're charging oh, all right, okay. $512, be, and, but they work with these people. So, um, but they're the only ones who would sell me a half a slab because all I need is 14 <laughs> inches by 92 inches. Well, I think I would probably do the measuring myself, double-check the measurements, uh, make sure you're right on the money so you can prove that you measured it correctly. Uh, and if it's a straight piece like that, you probably can install it yourself. But on the other hand, you can break it or you can mess it up. So I'll leave that up to you. If your skill set 
is such. Uh, go for it. But I probably, on a straight piece like that, I'd go ahead and measure it myself. Lee, I hope that works out for you. That's all she wrote for the program. And Shannon Scott, thanks for producing and engineering with your expertise and aplomb, as you always do. I really appreciate that. And we will uh, see you next week. I hope you uh, have a great week. God bless. And email me during the week, aroundthehouse.com. See you next time right here, 4 o'clock, for Around the House. Have a good one. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.